So that that's why my sophomore and junior year was so great because I was just focused on basketball. There was nothing else going on. So I moved in sophomore year, junior year, senior year, and junior college. I all live with Andrew Cartwright. People don't know wow. that. People do not know that. I lived in a white household with a mm. white family. So there goes your middle class experience. Bingo. Well, upper class experience. Upper class. Okay. I would say upper class. His mom, you know, not to not to put it out there, Drew, but his mm-hmm. mom did a lot of marketing and things like that. So she made pretty good money. Got it. Um, and, uh, you know, shout out to her, man. Um, a woman that's gone through 28 back surgeries, 15 neck surgeries. Uh, and she's put it all together every single day. Um, that, that woman right there, I respect. Like, that's, I, tough. I respect. that's real toughness. Yeah. <laughs> you want to talk about being tough. Facts. You know, people talk about how black people go through this. and da, 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 da. I'm like, yo. This lady fell off of a, she fell off of a, a ladder when she was younger, trying to take care of something for her kid. Broke her neck, broke her back, had surgery, hasn't been able to move her neck that much for thirty some odd years. She hasn't been able to do this. Mm. She when she moves, she has to move her whole, her whole body to move. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's tough. Yes, and still raising the kids, taking in other people's kids. You feel me? The like, real work. Tough. The love, it's love, man. Like people, toughness is loving people through whatever you're going exactly. through. Exactly, and, and that's, that's the reason why I say the finding Forrester stuff is such a, uh, a touching makes... subject for me because Andrew was basically Forrester. Forrester. I have to ask this because it, it's I can see it now. So, do you believe that the you know the attitude that you were dealing with and that fiery party that chip on your shoulder through those high school years was? Because of that trauma you were suffering from your parents split and that, nah. that you don't connect them? Nah, man. I was like that when my parents <laughs> okay. were together. I was like it after. I didn't really be real with you. I didn't really have no issues with my parents splitting up. Hmm. My my parents was cool. It wasn't like a thing where it was like, we're split up. It was like my dad was picking me up from school. My mom was picking me up from his house. They were still talking. Okay. It wasn't like the whole divorced and so they're co He can't speak to me no more. He can't experience. speak. It was never court, nothing. It was like pick him up from school, take him to practice, do this, do that. My pops was still on the ball. My pops was still in my life every single day. I wasn't I, I didn't come from the black household where my dad walked away after going to get milk and all that type of stuff. I didn't come from that. I came from a two parent household. When they split, they were still a two parent household. Got it. Like you know what I'm saying? Like it was still a two parent household. If my mom needed something, my pops was getting it done. If my if my dad needed something, my mom was getting it done. But he didn't never need nothing because my mom always was on the ball. You know what I'm saying? But it was I just didn't I don't equate it to that, and I don't give myself that excuse. It right. was Robert. Well, no, that's the thing is yeah. that it's like a it's not even an excuse, right? It's just um, I think it's important, especially in the black community um, or the the people of color, to understand those traumatic experiences, whatever it came from, right? And I just saw the correlation, but I like how you even broke it down. Like, you know, that didn't Im- impact me. Yeah, it was no. something else. <laughs> yeah, like it was it was identifying it was, that it was definitely me. And working through that to where you are today, where you you have an understanding, like, hey yo, don't do what I did. Yeah, because it was and, me. It was all me. Like, you mm-hmm. know, I know there's a lot of people out there, like, you know, DeMar DeRozan. Let's just take his story. Like, yeah. Crazy story with him. Mm-hmm. How he got it all together and how he kept his head together. Incredible. Like it's possible. incredible. That, that's the thing. It's possible to overcome. Yeah. And to still be successful in whatever you yeah. want to do. But I didn't and go through none of that. 
Right. <laughs> like, you feel like I didn't go through none of that. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. I, I just tell people all the time, like me personally, I created all my own demons mm. inside. That was the only way that I could be great. Mm. I had to create my own demons. I had to have something that drove me. Yeah. Like I would go into the newspaper sometimes and I would read the newspaper on the high school side and it would say, so-and-so scored 18 points. And a lot of times on the high school side, I was at the top of the list, Valentine with 28, this person with 18, and I would be like, he scored 10 points less than me? Nah, yo, I got to get 50 next game. This shouldn't be nobody in the 10-point radius of me. Like, I had to piss myself off for all these different reasons because it was how I played basketball. I played basketball angry. If anybody, if anybody ever met me, if anybody ever asked like what my secret was or anything like that, I'm the Hulk. I'm always angry. Like, like when I play basketball, I'm playing with anger. I'm playing with the actual concept of anger. Because I want you to understand that when I play basketball, this means everything to me. Like, everything. It's not just a portion of my life or anything. It's everything. Every relationship I've ever been in, when it comes down to personal life, all that, every relationship I've ever been in has struggled because of basketball. Mm. Everything I've ever done in my life has struggled because of basketball. The first love. Like yeah, I have love. people literally trying to get me to do things like, hey, let's do this. Hey, let's do that. Hey, let's build a business. Hey, let's do this. I'm like, yeah, okay, cool. They're like, can you meet at this time? I'm in the gym at that time. I cannot. Can you do this? No, we got a basketball tournament this weekend. Can you do that? No, so-and-so just called me and said they need a workout. I got to go to the gym. They're like, bruh. How can I do da, da 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 I'm like, I told you when I met you. I do basketball. I don't do all this other stuff. Well, thank you for being here, for one. <laughs> yeah. And I'm glad we talk about hoops so it yeah. helps. But you know what I'm saying? It's like, this is, what, this is what it is, you know? So I told, I told my wife that the other day. She's the only thing in my life that is not basketball. She doesn't like basketball. She's non-competitive. She doesn't even know. Like, she tried to name 10 NBA players the other day, and she barely oh, got man. it. Like, she like, but she's the only thing I love in my life besides God and that like Jesus that doesn't have to do with basketball. Yeah. Like I'll say everything else in my life has come from basketball. My relationships, like you said, all my friends are hoopers or talk about hoop mm -hmm. or something. Everything I do is centered around basketball. Basketball. And I'm like, that's just my love. It like, is. It's, it's, it is. That's what and, it is. And that, and I think that I think that's what's missing in today's game. Yeah. I think a lot of kids don't love it anymore. I think it's a hobby. Derek Fisher said it great um on our, our podcast. Y'all can check it out live on YouTube is he said people are in love with the things that basketball brings Bring, and yeah. not the actual process in the game and just being in the gym. Mm -hmm. Like for me, and you're, you're the same actually, we don't post a lot of our training. <laughs> for what? We here anyway. Like, like this is what we do. It, man, how can you, anyways. I'm I, get it, how I get it if you're a social media guy and all that right. and you're trying to build your social media fan base. But yeah. I tell people all the time, listen, and I'm gonna say this to everybody, watching right now, everybody that's going to see this, everybody's going to do this, and I'm saying this to the other trainers, keep posting your stuff, please. Mm -hmm. Because every player that comes into my gym, I'm teaching them how to destroy your player. <laughs> that's it, okay? So keep, keep, please, keep posting all of your workouts, please. Because every time your player sees my player, he's going to have a heart attack every single time. I did it with Trent Perry this year. Yeah, I did it with Trent. I was watching that kid, uh, Caleb Foster. Yeah. I was, I was getting inside information on him. Right. People didn't know that. 
Right. People did not know that. I I know I know what time you worked out in the morning. I know what time you went you worked out after school. I knew how many reps you was getting. <laughs> I was just breaking it down. Ultimate scouting and report. Every single time Caleb saw Trent this year, it was a murder scene. And everybody was like, How is Trent just making how is he so how's he heading tails over this kid? It's the scheme. I know what you're gonna do before you do it. Mm. If I know what you're gonna do before you do it, how can you beat me? You can't. Unless you got some crazy. I learned talent. that from I learned that from Michael Jordan, the Jordan camp. Mm. Don't don't just play your game and go sit down. Play your game and then go watch the other dude that is considered the best. Mm. Why do we do that? Go watch him. Go see what he does wrong. See what his weaknesses are. And after you see what his weaknesses are, exploit them. <laughs> right. Find them and then exploit them. Look at the things that the other car. Like I do this to my players all the time. When this guy's guarding you, what do you hate about it? Like, man, he's always like pushing me and doing this. I'm like, do it to him. He's doing it because he don't like that to be done to him. So do it to him. And the second they start doing it, you see the kid. So that's why I tell my kids, it's just like, you know, this basketball is a scheming thing. It's a scheme. It's a mental game. That's how I made my career is that I wasn't, I didn't, I'm a streaky scorer, right? I could get hot. I'm a decent slasher, uh, streaky shooter, but my calling card is defense. I'm going to sit down and we're going to battle. Whether you get a bucket or not, you're going to work for it. And you're going to be tired by the fourth quarter and you're really going to miss shots, right? And I tell my kids this, and I'm like, I play them one-on-one at the end of every session. I'm like, no, we're going to go one. Because mm-hmm. you need to understand what's about to happen and how I'm teaching you all your moves. Now beat me. You got to Because of, cause of what you do, right? Because of what you do. You research, hey, I know how to sit on that. So now you have to actually use this stuff. On me. All the counters. And I know what you're going to do. I know the counter you're going to throw before you throw oh, it. Man. <laughs> and, then I'm, and then I'm like, okay, so what am I doing on defense? Like, bro, you're a hacker. You're a fowler. Yep. But uh-huh. I don't get called for foul. Uh-huh. Why aren't you doing what I'm doing? Exactly. What else do I do? Exactly. Oh, you get really low and it's hard. Oh, don't you think you should do that on defense? So I'm teaching that defensive side too, yeah. where all these trainers, I don't, I don't see many trainers teaching defense. Yeah. You know, there's I, only I think, one guy, there's only one trainer out there that I know that teaches defense. Shout out to Coach Tiny, who works for LA Premier Prep. He's one of my OGs. He used to be the coach of the K and E Bulldogs. Oh yeah, remember that team? Yeah, I do. Remember that little fiery coach that was on the side? That was him. Glasses. That's Coach Tiny. Tiny. Everybody used to call him Archibald because he had kind of looked like Tiny Archibald. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Coach Tiny, that dude right there. Oh, I need there. to go to a session, man. Oh man, connect if you, me. If I need that. You just got connected, Keon. There we go. Oh well, bet I need that. I need Tiny that is a guy. Work. If you want to see a, if you want to see a drill guy, mm-hmm. getting in shape, getting your defense up. Getting your, your running up, all that. Tiny is the guy. Tiny is flat out the guy. Lauren Watkins is good. Yeah, he is. Lauren Watkins oh, is man. good. I got to get him on here. Too. But Tiny, Tiny is that no hold barred, no BS. He don't care about your feelings. He don't care about your <laughs> parents' feelings. He don't care about your mama, your daddy. Man. He don't care if your grandma. Pure is basketball, sick. baby. Like he don't care about nothing. It's just get it done. Get it done. Get it done. And then you do have enough energy, no matter what. I love Tiny. Like, I love Tiny. Like, that dude right there, when I was coming up, man, I remember playing against the Candy Bulldogs. That was the first coach. That was the first coach that I had ever had speak to me, and I was on the other team. Hmm. Like, I'm coming down doing something. He's like, why are you doing that? Stop doing that and do this. What's wrong with you? Da, da, da. And I'm like, you're not on my team, yo. Like, 
Like, he trying to get, he trying to sabotage me. He's like, and then he come down and do something. Else. He's like, I just told you not to do that no more. Why you keep doing that? Then he turn around, and look at my coach. Why you keep letting them do that? And my coach is like, yeah, what? Like, that's pure. What is basketball. this? Like, what's going on? The other coach that, and and then he called, he called timeout. And in the timeout, he's supposed to be talking to his team. I'm walking across the court. He's like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna stand here and watch you keep doing that. If you keep doing that, I'm gonna tell my players to go ahead and lock you up. Da, da, da. And I'm like. Yo, what's going on right now? Like, but that's what I remembered about Tiny. Like, you know, that's like crazy. this dude, I'm not playing for his team or nothing. He cares about basketball that much to where he's telling another player that he sees as good to stop doing certain things that are not supposed to be happening. And I'm like, yeah. that's pretty impressive. So now I take that same concept in all my AAU games. I'll go to an AAU game, I talk to the other team. Mm. You know, I'd be like, Coach, why are you telling them how to score? Why are you telling them how to stop us? Why are you telling them? Because if 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 I tell them what y'all gonna do, y'all still gotta perform and do it right. So that makes you better. Yep. But it also makes them better. Right. So right. in a whole, I'm making basketball better. I don't really care about you as an individual. Like, yeah. Yeah. When we walk off the court, I care about you as an individual. I think that's man. That it speaks to my overall concept. This is literally why I started this show. Is that I feel like the good basketball minds, the me, the you, the peon, the, the people who really love this game, I think is so oversaturated with the trainers who are concerned with their personal brand and all that. It's cool. We all have our personal brand. We have business because we're businessmen, right? But also, there's nothing wrong with us developing together, working together. Like, yo, I'm going to take some of what you got with some of what I got. The, the truth is, the heart of this is, we love being in the gym and making right. kids better. Right. And so whatever that takes, people, oh, you're training my kid. You're training, bro, no, that's that parent's kid. Mm -hmm. Hey, if you train with me, you train with Rob, cool. Hey, matter of fact, go to Rob. Yeah. How many times are you going to Rob a week? Five? Bet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you need to go more. Every like, time. Like, please, you know, Roz. Mozzie? You know, yeah. Mozzie? Yeah. I was telling Mozzie all the time, he's like, yeah, man, I'm going to come train with you. I'm like, you're training over there at core, right? He's like, yeah. I'm like, so you're going to come train here to get the same stuff? I'm like, why? They teach what, what we teach. Like, this is, it's, it's basketball at the highest level. Just, just do your thing over there. Like, keep it going. You know, and he's like, oh, well, I'm going to get a trainer. I'm like, well, if you're going to get a trainer outside of that, then yes, come to me. But, you don't need it, you know. Right. It's not. That's not the way it works. You don't need it. You know what I'm saying? But that's you know. Those are the things that basketball now. I think this is what I think this is what the the world of basketball misses mm. is when I was coming up, when I was growing up, everyone developed everyone's children. Yes. You know, like there was like yeah. a bit. You know, the village talk. Like where we, it takes a village to run a household. It takes a village to, you know, if I went down the street and I was cussing and yelling and doing something, you know, Mama Hammond would come out and smack me across the face and say, you're not supposed to be talking like that. Yep. But then she'd go and hope, call my mom, hey, your son's down here cussing and acting crazy. Then I go home, my mom slapped me across the face. You know, right. it's like, yep. it's like you getting beat up twice, dog. So yep. you, so, it, so really as a kid, you knew how to get away with stuff or how not to do things. Cause you was like, I don't want to get beat up here and there. I just, <laughs> if I'm gonna get in trouble, I just want to get in trouble once, you know what I'm saying? So it's like stuff like that where we were developed a little bit different. And I think that that, um, I think that that is what like gave me the concept of like being a basketball mind yeah. and understanding that. And uh, you know, another thing, I tell people this all the time. If you train with me, you're training with, you know, CLC basketball. 
We're sharing it with Keon Kendrick and his yeah. concept of basketball and what he taught me. And then I've taken that and I've morphed it into mine. Yes. But without that, I wouldn't have a concept of basketball because I didn't know how to teach. Yeah. I didn't know how to teach someone how to play like me. I was like, dude, do you know how you know how hard it is to do what I did? Like, I don't know how to teach you how to be a guy that in his mind is two shakes away from being in an assailant asylum. Like, I don't know how to teach that. Because when I play basketball, I see a guy seven foot and I think, oh, that looks fun. <laughs> and most people go, damn, that's a huge dude. And I'm nice. thinking, oh, I'm like, I get to dunk on that I'm guy. I'm about to dunk on him. I get, yeah, to, I, get to, I get to catch him in isolation and pop, pop, pop. Oh, I get to bump him. I get to, he might block a shot. Like, that's fun for me. Yeah. And the, most people go, bro, there's something wrong with you. And I'm like, no, there's something wrong with you. Right. I look at war and I run towards it. You look at war and you run away from it. Mm-hmm. There's two different people. Yeah, and that's why you're, the mental toughness is probably on a different level. And I can't wait to read your book, to be honest. I, I, know, I know this is going to be a, you know, whatever is men- about it. The, these- the mental toughness side of that book is going to be one that I believe everyone will want to read. Because I'm not an NBA player. I never stepped foot in the NBA. I, I I was I never got an opportunity. I never did none of that. But I played professional basketball for eight years, and I loved every minute of it. And hands down, there's not a person that I've ever come across that doesn't respect me in this game. You know, and that that to me is that that was my whole that was my whole process of playing a game, starting out everything. I mean, of course, we all have dreams, right? I want to be an NBA player. I want to play in the NBA. I want to do this. But playing professional basketball was enough for me, yeah. you know? And then having the respect of people all over the world, not just like, oh, here in LA, people know me, but like, I get, I get texts from China. I get texts so, where, from so where did you play professionally? Uh, I played in England. Uh, then I played a little bit in Estonia. And then I played the majority of my career in China. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. So uh, I saw a lot of different countries. I took a tour once. A paid tour where I saw like eight countries in that right. tour, and then I played cup games in between like seasons and stuff. So you know, a team here, a team there, a team right. there. So I saw a ton of countries, but real seasons that I played, th- those are the only three places that I actually played. That's dope, real seasons, but those are like legit teams where I was there for six to eight months. Mm-hmm. It was like a whole year basically of basketball where I was gone. China was different because China's seasons were three months at a time, but then they have this thing called wild ball in between. So the wild ball is kind of like what we would consider like our pickup ball, but you get paid for it. Oh, wow. So, you know, I was making, you know, seven, eight grand, you know, a month playing wild ball, playing in the streets of China, you know, messing around and throwing a ball around and, you know, having the LA select team come out and I'm already out there and I'm throwing lobs to seven footers and stuff. I'm beating up on China dudes, and they're like, "Yeah, you got. Can we take pictures with you after the game?" We're like, "Yeah, I just gave 50. (laughs) I'll take a picture with you, like, you know what I mean? Like, you know, guys coming to you before the game. Like, I've had people come to me before the game, and like, "Hey, man, let's take a picture." I'm like, "You're on the other team." Like, yeah, come on, picture real quick, right? And they take the picture, and then you're like, "Wait, I gotta play against you right now." Like, 
you just took a picture with you, man. Like every time like you look at this picture now, you're gonna remember. What he you, gave me buckets. Yeah, like, but it's not just that because you know it's the the, the, the trash talk and the, the pushing. And the, it's like now every time you see it, you're gonna be like, that dude's a dick. Like, you know, what I mean? so it's like it's one of those things. Where it's just a it's a it's an odd area to be in, you know, like that type of stuff. But the overseas world, you know, I tell a lot of people, uh, mental toughness is the biggest thing that you have to have there. Uh, you're gonna go to countries that no one speaks the language. Well, not well, technically not anymore. If you're going into the overseas realm now, everybody speaks a little English. Mm -hmm. But when I was doing it, and when my friends were doing it, it you know, you you go to a Qatar, you go to a, a, a Belgium, you go to a Bahrain, you go to a mm -hmm. Lebanon, you go to you're by yourself, bro. Yeah, you on Google Translate? You're, you're no, there. you're not even that. Google Translate don't even translate the correct way. You got a Le you got a Lebanese and Google Translate, and you put something in English, and they try to say it. Dudes be looking at you like, "What was that? That wasn't even that wasn't our language. Like, what is that? Like, you know what I mean? Like, it, just, yeah. it doesn't even work half the time. So uh -huh. you're like pointing at pictures, like, you see that part? I don't want that. But this is good. <laughs> that right there? No, I don't want that. Like but that is good. <laughs> like, it's like, it's like you like it's it's crazy out there sometimes. You know? Well, well, um. So your experience overseas, um, we, we kind of discussed it earlier that you're going to do um, your own podcast, The Crossover, mm -hmm. and you're going to kind of dive into that part of the yeah. game in the overseas. You want to uh, just talk about that a little and what to expect from The Crossover? Yeah, so um, nice, nice. Appreciate that. Nice shout out. I'm, I'm starting uh, The Crossover podcast. It's a personal podcast that I wanted to show the development of players. And also wanted to give some insight for the players that were trying to learn this game and trying to understand the things that they have to do to like go to college, uh, get a scholarship, you know, go overseas, being in the NBA. I wanted I want to be able to give people more information on what happens in these areas. A lot of people do not understand that when you go overseas, you haven't made it. You haven't made it yet. You, it's not that's not the end all be all. After your first season, it's not like you have another one coming up. You know, so a lot of people don't understand the ins and outs of being overseas, of being on an overseas team. A lot of people don't understand the temperament of overseas coaches. You know, they're not like us, and they already have a scrutiny against us because we're American. They already think that we're this pompous, egotistical, you know, ego driven person that will only do certain things. And it's, it just doesn't work that way. And I think a lot of people need, especially basketball players that have the ability, not everybody needs to know this information because some of you will play basketball in high school and in college you'll never play basketball again and you'll start your life early. But for those of you that have the opportunity to go to college, get a scholarship, play on the college team, that's when life starts. That's when life really starts. You get per diem, you get away per diem, that's money, you know? You have classes that you got to get done with, and you don't have anybody pick, waking you up in the morning or getting you ready for school or get, giving you breakfast or anything like that. You don't have that anymore, you know? Your coach is going to demand certain things out of you. Your, your assistant coaches are going to demand certain things out of you. Your, your workout coaches are going to demand certain things out of you. And you don't have a choice but to do it. You don't have any back talk in college. There's no, but, no, no, <laughs> you're not allowed to. Your coach says something and you just move. You don't even, you don't even think twice. You just move. 
When you get overseas, it is the same exact way. Coaches say something, the translator looks at you and says, coach said this, you got to do it. And if you don't do it, you go home now. Mm-hmm. Not, you don't, it's not you get in trouble. It's not you get reprimanded. They sit, they get, they, you wake up and there's a ticket on your desk. Or, you know, you get done with practice and you walk in and there's a ticket on your bed. Mm. Nice, nice setup right there. Perfect. They might even make your bed for you. They might make your bed and then set the ticket right after you do that. Crazy part is when I was in Estonia, a dude that was playing on my team, gone. Like that. Didn't even know he left. Came back from practice. All stuff was gone. What the heck is this? Real life. <laughs> what, what just happened? What? I got got the apartment to myself. They're like, no, it's somebody else coming. He'll be here at six. I'm like, wait, what? That means they already had that. He was on a plane at twelve, and this dude was on a plane at twelve coming this way. I'm like, this is crazy. But that's what I mean by like, these they don't understand that. And I and you know, being surrounded by all of these professional basketball players that I've worked with and I've helped, it's like, oh, like I have this, I have this influx of information from all these guys that they can actually push it out there and yes. give it back to people. And that's why, you know, the crossover podcast is going to be such a big thing. Um, the book idea actually came from a guy that, uh, that you know, took care of my, my daughter um, when she was in her mother's womb. Um, Dr. Clayton, shout out to Dr. Clayton. Shout out to my guy, Quest, his son. Um, he's the guy that when I told him that I was doing a podcast, that he told me that during the podcast, because it's being recorded, I should take notes on the podcast and then start recording myself talking about different things that I want, and then I should write a book. Um, So he was the person that brought that up and put it into my ear because he's written books. Mm -hmm. Um, And when that happened, I was just like, you know what? Yeah. And then right after that, uh, Dominic Johnson, who's who's arguably one of the best three-point shooters the world has ever seen uh, he uh he wrote a book recently and that just really fueled it for me i was just like oh if dom wrote a book yep. yeah it's feasible because you know i i don't know anybody that's written a book before so mm-hmm. i was like i like, write a book like that's, so that's it's huge. crazy this is all i think is where this basketball stuff is going you're an expert in the what you do with mm-hmm. your development right and that's what experts do. They write books. Yeah. And so I had the same thing. My mentor is Tony McGee. Shout out Tony. His son was in CORE. He's a rocket scientist, works for NASA, professor at CSUN. Mm-hmm. And he just one day sent me this thing. Said, you're going to write a book. This is what it's going to be called. This is what it's about. He said, the information I've gotten from you from just a student-athlete standpoint is like is invaluable to me. Mm-hmm. He said, you're, you're a writer. You need to do podcasts. Like he literally spoke what's happening right now into existence and so that it just feels like this is where basketball for the the pure basketball minds are going is like it's time to regurgitate this information we got because Mm -hmm. we don't have the village like we used to and there's a lot of bad information out there and people need to know this is why you said it's all about respect the people who are coming onto your podcast they respect you Mm -hmm. and they're doing what you're teaching about. They're playing overseas. They're mm-hmm. coaching pros. They're training. They know the system. They know how to be there. And that's where you get the difference in, oh, this is real information. Because mm-hmm. people are actually doing what you're talking about. It's not, right. hey, I'm popping on the camera. 
I used to go to this school and I love basketball and I'm gonna show you how to do a crossover. Where where you where you play at? Right. Wait, where you do yeah. you learn this from? Where? Yeah. And not saying that people can't learn that way, but it's different when you have the experience of it, so you can tell your personal story. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what's amazing about you is that you've gone through so much in your basketball career that you're able to share it with people, talk about it with people, and give people something that, you know, just sitting here with you, man, I've learned a lot about myself. Real talk. I learned about a lot about myself. That's why I love doing this. It's like, man, you made me look inside myself. It's like, oh, I'm a dog too. And I, I used to play in anger a little bit too. And what happened to that anger? Like, I'm questioning yeah. my, my passion for the game almost because of yours and it, in a good way. It's mm -hmm. like, yo, I need to. Wait, you miss meetings because of basketball? Like, Fact. oh, I love that. Like, <laughs> I love that. Now, we got kids, right. right? We just make sure we take care of our kids Facts. and that kind of thing. Like, Facts. priority. But the rest of this is like, man, I love this. Yeah. Like, this, everything yeah. about this is yeah. just cool. And, you know, I think, it's, I think it's really cool that, you know, we're given this opportunity now. Yeah. I think that's the coolest part, man. And I think that's the biggest respect factor. I think the biggest respect factor is someone says, I'm put cameras in front of you and let you talk about yeah. what you know. And I think that right there is like, man, you're truly like, you're, you've made it. Yeah. If anybody, if anybody was ever going to tell me that my basketball career is successful, if they told me it now, I would say yes. Mm -hmm. If he, uh, if you told me while I was playing basketball and everything like that, I'd be mm -hmm. like, Mike, how's my basketball career successful? I haven't. I haven't, re I haven't reached the, the pinnacle of it. But if I look back at everything that I did, all the stuff that I did, everything I did, I was always the guy and I was always the kid. Then when there was a kid that wasn't as good as me, I was like, do this, try this, do mm. this. Yeah, so I've always been, teacher in you. I've always been a, a natural mentor or trainer yeah. or teacher, right? Yeah. And I never noticed it as a kid or as a young adult. I never noticed it because it was just, that was basketball. Right. When I was growing up, yes. when I walked in the gym, I remember playing against guys like, you know, um, uh, Stan Fletch. Oh, yeah. You know, I remember playing against his, his, his big brother, Fletch. I remember playing against, you know, the big Osiris Knowles. I remember playing against, you know, the, the Frank Robinsons and the, and the, uh, the 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 Chris Bookers, and you know all of these dudes that came through Levy Terrace, you know Lou Darby, Angry Lou, shout out to Angry Lou, Mister Romania, shout out to you. that dude jumped so high, um, you know, and then in L.A., you know Bobby Brown and Pooh Jeter, and you know all these guys that I, you know, shout out to Marcus Williams, you know all those guys who who I who I saw playing in the Drew League and then played against them in the Drew League and yeah. all this different stuff, I think the biggest respect factor or the biggest flex that I have or the biggest, like, yeah, I was successful in basketball is now that people come to me for information. Yep. I think that's it for me. Like, like you can give me this, that. You can give me money. You can give me fame. You can give me cards. You can give me all that type of stuff. It wouldn't hit home as much as, you know, Somebody coming to me and saying, how do I get to here? Yeah. And then what a lot of people don't realize is, is that that will also come full circle because eventually my daughter's going to want to play. Yeah. And when my daughter wants to play, it, it, I think that that will be like the pinnacle of my basketball career. Yeah. Like, wow. Like, 
my my daughter is receiving information from me and getting better at the game that I love. And yeah. I get to watch her play it. But First play it. Job, but, but play it like but play it like no, but play it like me. Mm-hmm. Because real legacy. She's gonna have that fire in her that I had. And she ain't and she ain't no slouch. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And on top of that, she ain't no punk. So my daughter look at me and be like, no. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So if that's why I'm just like, it's, apple it's, don't it's, fall far from the street. It's exciting. It. It's exciting, man. It's very exciting for me as a dad, as a basketball guy, as a mentor, as a all this different stuff. To just see basketball come full circle for me now. Yeah. You know, full circle, full circle. Nice. And it's an opportunity that I'm gonna talk to you off of here. Yeah. That I want to bring up to you because it's okay. it's a it's an on location opportunity. Okay. When it's all said and done, I think it will be an amazing situation. <laughs> like, Let's talk about an it. Amazing situation. Yeah. No, I was just gonna bring up that uh, Rashad Phillips, RP three natural. He's out of uh, Florida. Uh-huh. He has a daughter who's upcoming in the game. He was like, he was a little baby AI, gotcha. and undersized combo hybrid type of guard uh-huh. in college. Yeah. And the NBA didn't want him because he was too small, mm-hmm. but he should have been in the NBA. This is like right before all, you know, they started evolving. But he told me, because I had a thing where I didn't want my daughter to hoop. Mm-hmm. I was just like, I want her to stay away from the game. Like, I've seen too many dads mess up their relationship with their kids, trying to force them to hoop or putting them in hoop and overdoing it. And uh, he said, man, that's the worst thing you could do. He said, why would you not bless the one thing that God gave you and not instill that into your daughter? He's like, if you don't do it, Nobody else will. Mm. And this is the gift God gave you. You yeah. have to pass that on as and, a legacy. Yeah, then on top of that, it's like one of these things where it's like, you know, daughter sees you training all these people, she sees you working with all these kids, she sees you developing all these kids. If she wants to play, she probably wants you to do it. Yeah, that's the thing. She has to come to me. I don't put in that's the biggest thing I say. I was like, but, cool. But a lot of times a lot of times what I've noticed is sometimes they don't even come to you and say it. Just they just know that they want you to do it and they feel like, mm. why isn't daddy doing it? You know, like my daughter, my daughter's a little bit more outspoken on things, right? My daughter will just, and I don't know your, your daughter, I don't know how she is when it comes down to stuff, but my daughter's like outspoken. Oh yeah, my, my daughter's pretty okay. strong-minded so as well. Yeah, if, if I'm on the court training one of my pros and my daughter doesn't think that I'm watching her shoot her jump shots on the little small court that I, when I roll the court down, and she'll be like, daddy. Daddy, look. Hmm. And then she'll shoot it. Be like, see? And I'll be like, good job. <laughs> and then the other pros will be like, yeah, I see you. And she gets all happy. And, you know, so that's why I like, I know she's going to want to play eventually, but yeah. I also know she's going to want me to be the person giving her the information. Right. Especially because she sees you do it every day. And that's exactly. the thing is I keep, you know, I have a two-year-old son too. And I'm like, he, he live in the gym. Like yeah. for him, it's a whole different mindset. It's like my son and my daughter is, is so crazy, but. Either way, they're around the game. So she like when she wakes up from her nap, she's like, "Daddy, let's watch basketball." There That's her go. automatic thing. She Look just wants that. to watch. It's crazy. I put her in a training session with a um, about a month ago. She went to the session. I was like, "Did you have fun, baby?" Yeah. Do you want to get it, do it again? No, that yeah. was only for one time. Yep. And I was like, "Oh, dang. Uh-huh. Okay, well you ain't going back there. Like, right. I, you ain't gonna. I'm not gonna put you in a situation where you don't fall in love with the game. Exactly. And I'm like, I'm keeping exactly. you away." From yeah, but she likes soccer right now, and so I'm like. Another thing is, is that you put her in a training session with somebody else, right? And now 
he probably sees that, okay, I like that, but you know, I probably won't do it with you. Right. You know? And that, that's the coolest See, part. Bro, that's the man, coolest you got me, part, you got me all vulnerable on that's this couch, cool, dog. That's the coolest part about being a, a like, dad, nah, man. man. That's you the coolest part about being a dad is like when my daughter's down here and my daughter's like working out or doing something or when she's running around the gym, taking people's basketballs and running away <laughs> from them so now they can't do their workout no more. Like stuff like that. It's like that's the funnest part of basketball to me right now. Like right. everybody's like, man, you train this player, you work with this player, you're in LA, you're at the Drew League, you're this, 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 this. And I'm like, you guys are all talking about the wrong thing. It's like, you know, like, hey, if you would have saw my daughter run up the court today, run in the middle of Benny Boatwright's workout <laughs> and shoot a complete air ball that got nowhere near the rim. And we all just laughed about it. Now you would understand why I'm still doing this. Pure, man, pure basketball. Yeah, now you can understand why I'm still doing this, bro. Yeah. I, these guys that I'm training, they don't even need me. You know how many trainers are out here? Right. Like, you know, right. like I tell people this all the time, and I want, I'm going to say this straight into the camera. I could be making a ton of money every single day. But instead, I like to train basketball players and help them achieve their goals and dreams not because i want to be the person that receives clout at the end of the day but because basketball means more to me than most things in life so because of that and i hear people say basketball saved my life the person that saved my life is coming here on monday yeah and so yeah i want to talk about that yeah. as we transition and you know as your player playing career ended and mm -hmm. you transitioned into training and i'm sure this is a story where keon comes in you know what was that like for you how did you know it was time to hang it up and where, where retirement <laughs> that was a that was a world of hurt for me um i retired early never should have mm -hmm. uh never should have retired from basketball but i had my child and at the time I was kind of starting over with money in basketball, and I got a lucrative opportunity to go play in China again. Mm. But I find out that the mother of my child is pregnant. So I'm like, okay, how am I gonna do this? So she's like, we need the money, go. I'm like, okay, cool. You know, that was like, I was, like, the I, was like I wanted to go, but you know, I needed somebody to say go. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, fast forward to, you know, she's at five months and uh, and it's, you know, about time for everything to, to go down. And I'm about to come home uh, and I'm, I have a basketball gig that I'm doing in, in China, in mainland China, where I'm playing. No, I was in Hong Kong. I was playing in the HKBA. The Hong Kong Basketball Association. Um, I'm planning that. I'm averaging good numbers. I'm doing really well. I get a phone call. I get a phone call in China, which is very weird. Hmm. You know, my phone doesn't work in China. So someone figures out a way to get in touch with me in China. I'm hmm. like, this works. I get a phone call off of, you know, off of uh, WeChat. Mm -hmm. And that's the Chinese thing. I get the phone call and I'm like, hello. And they're like, is this Rob? And I'm like, yeah. He's like, oh, I got a call. I know this guy. He told me to call you. I'm like, okay. What's up? Like, what do you? Why? What do you need me for? 
And he's like, I got two players that I need trained. And I heard you're a good trainer. And I'm like, trainer? I was like, dude, I'm hooping. Like, I'm a basketball player. Like, who, who told you this? Mind you, it's somebody from home who he knew, that knew I was training players and everything like that. He didn't know I was playing in China. Okay. But he told him, called this guy. He has a WeChat because he played in China before. Hit him on WeChat. Bring him out there to train those two guys. I'm thinking to myself, like, okay. It just so happened that I was in China, which made it so much easier. Right. He calls me. The first name he brings up is Atir Majuk, who I knew because he was with the Lakers in 2015. I saw him play with the Lakers, so I was like, okay, I, I remember that guy. But then he brings up a name, and I'm just like, oh, I'm like, that, that's a big name. And he's like, yeah, well, do you want to train the guys? And I'm like, talking about and the guy that he brings up is russ smith who just came off the ncaa championship with louisville i'm like the dude who averaged 60 in china right something crazy yeah 63 in china yeah so i'm like okay i'm like you want me to train these two guys it's like yeah way more money than what i'm making playing wow so now i'm like i'm like okay so is this what we're doing is that is this this how it's going like I'm getting paid triple what I'm making playing basketball for training. Yeah. I'm like, ah, okay, well, <laughs> got to take the job. Yeah, so right. I tell the guy, tell the guy that was like my agent, hey, I'm going to be going to train, and then I'm going to come back to, to, to Hong Kong and play the games, and I'll go train, but I won't be able to do practices no more. He's like, the team needs you on practice. I'm like, no, they don't. <laughs> I'm like, come on, bro. I'm like, it's me. They don't need me in practice. I'm going to come back and kill. And then I'll go do that. He's like, all right, we'll work it out. So that worked for a couple of weeks, and then they cut me. They were like, we don't like this. They cut me. But it didn't matter, because I was like, I'm already done with that. Like, I'm moving mm. over here. And that's what prompted my retirement. Mm. When I realized that someone saw more value in the knowledge I was giving to someone than what I was doing on the court, that's when I was like, okay, it's time for me to walk away from playing. I didn't walk away from playing right away, mind you, but I mean, that was my retirement. That was, you know, I was 29 years old. I had just left school at 21. I had done eight years overseas, and that was my retirement point where I was like, okay, I'm no longer going after competitive, contracted basketball programs. Now, if I'm going to play, I'll play on my own. I'll play with my boys. I'll play in a Drew. I'll play here. I'll play there, but I'm not going after that anymore. Um, so that was my retirement. Uh, moving into that season, Atir Majuk had the highest efficiency rating of any big in the entire world. And then, as you know, as we just said, uh, with some tiny information that I gave Russ, which is, I mean, he's probably one of the most incredible basketball players I've ever truly trained. Um, I give him one thing, and he could turn it into eight things. You know, I gave him a hezzy at one point, and he, he was bringing that hezzy out in moves that I I personally wouldn't have done it. I, I wouldn't have hezzied off of that move, but <laughs> he's like, pop, 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 hezzy, gone. And it's like, these dudes in China, they're like, there's no way to stop this guy. And I mean, he just had this chip on his shoulder, man. He had this thing about him, and I, I think that's why I love him so much. I still talk to him every now and again. We still kick it. You know, I talked to um, I talked to a tier. I'm actually going to be going to Louisville pretty soon to train Sky and uh, and Trey. Mm -hmm. You know, Sky and yep. Trey are now over there. They they yeah, team man. back up. Yep. So I, I talked to Sky I yesterday. Can't, yeah. I can't wait to see that, man. man. 
Um, but, you know, just seeing that and just breaking it down and understanding, like, what, you know, what these guys do and everything like that. And it was just interesting to see him do that. And then, you know, being a part of the Guinness Book of World Records and knowing that I was the trainer that, you know, trained him during that season where he set the 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 highest ever scoring, you know, for a season in basketball history. Yeah. I mean, that's a huge thing for me. You know, it was what does that thing. look like? Were you at any of the games? I was at every game. What does that look like? It looks like 70, 70, <laughs> 70, 70. <laughs> 65, 70, 70, 63, like, 63. Like, was he shooting every shot? No. No. It just, every no, time he touched it, just, it, it was it a just went in. Up. It just went in. Like, I'm telling you, man, like, oh, man. it was it was like the culmination of, like, everything coming together at one point because, like, I was training guys how to do what he was doing. Mm-hmm. Like, I was trying to get guys, like, do this, do that. Has he here? Go here. Like, I was trying to teach them how to do that. And he had... He picked it up on the first day that we worked out. Oh, wow. And then the second day we worked out, it was like he picked up that. And then the third day, it picked up that. And it, it was just like, I was with him. I was with him for six months. And I mean, the dude picked up everything every single day. I, in two weeks, I had nothing else that I could show him. Wow. It was like, he, it was a complete sponge. And then it was like, and then we start going ones after every day. We start playing one-on-one. And we're we're beating up on each other, and I think mm-hmm. that made him even better because I'm not a slouch when it comes down to scoring, you know. So defensively, it's not like he could just be like, ah, whatever. Like, nah, I'm gonna I'm gonna win, you yeah. know. <laughs> I might not play no more, but dog, <laughs> you got a you got a player on your hands here. Yeah. So you know, it was one of those things, and I just I that that whole thing was that was surreal to me, man. Watching that, uh, there was a game in 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 um, in Guangzhou where he he started the game off and you know I'm thinking like eh, it's going to be a cool game you know he's not really he's not really going you know he's 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 slow right now he's kind of just going through the motions playing through everybody and he came down and he got tripped up somebody cut him off tripped him up it like looked bad like even me I was like hey like what hey Cause you know I'm like right. I'm training these dudes. You can't be letting them, you know, just destroy my guys like that. Mm-hmm. And you know I'm doing like everything. When I say training them, I'm doing everything. I'm doing I'm doing basketball. I'm doing stretching. I'm doing massage, and I'm doing you know weights. I'm doing I'm doing oh. the whole workup for them. And um, and he just he looked over at me and was like, <laughs> he looked back, called a timeout. Coach called a timeout. He didn't go to the huddle. He came over to me, and me and him have a picture where, where he's like, he's like, he's got this huge smile on his face, and I'm like, like I'm like, because I'm telling him like, when you get into certain situations, you got to protect yourself, and the best way to protect yourself is to stop on a dime and lift, mm-hmm. because once you do that, if they go under you, the foul, no matter what, right. and if if you roll something or anything like that, at least we know. It's for a reason. Like you just running down the floor, somebody just cut you off. You tear your meniscus. Now you're out, and you didn't even do nothing. You know right, what I mean? Right. Like I'm like at least make it make it a point to let them know that they can't stop you. And that game, he ran off seventy three points that game, and it was probably oh, man. it was probably the greatest scoring performance that I had ever seen besides the one that I had done. And it was like, y'all, like this is crazy. Cause my highest scoring performance was 76. 
So in Wilson's league, in David Wilson's league. Yeah. So and that came off of somebody saying something about my mom and I just snapped. I was like, okay, you can talk about my mom? Cool. Seventy six. Cool. Yeah. So, you know, stuff like that. <laughs> stuff like that, that is where, wild. you know, a lot of people don't really understand, like, you know, I was never given the NBA shot. But if you if you wanted to say I wasn't an NBA player, I, I would laugh at you. Hmm. Like literally I would laugh at you. I was an NBA player. I could have played in the NBA for years. I was just as athletic. I was just as fast, if not faster than most guys. And, you know, my nickname isn't Flash for no reason. Right. And, you know, little things like that, you know. So I just, I always looked at life, you know, as a half, glass half full. Like, I'm never there, if that makes sense. Like, I'm never there. That's the way I look at life. Like, I know a lot of people say, you got to fill your cup up with all this energy and all this stuff. I'm like, nah, I always keep my, my cup half full. You know, I got enough water to where if I need to, I can wet my whistle a little bit. But I want to learn every single day. I want to build every day. I want to grow every day. And that opportunity is what gave me the the the, the gall to, like, start calling home and saying, hey, can I come help with your training when I get done? Yeah. I was, I was like, I was so afraid of that. I was so afraid. Like, I didn't call you. Um because I was afraid. Like I was like, when, when I first came home, uh, well, I was in China when I started making the calls. And when I first came home, I thought about, you know, coming up to Heritage and trying to get with y'all because I knew Travis and all those guys were working there. And then I was thinking about trying to work with Dash. I was in, but I had this thing about me where it's just like, dude, I gotta ask somebody to, like, bro, you know, like, like I'm me. Like, I don't need to ask nobody to do this. And I just, you know, for a long time while I was there, I just didn't, I didn't open up my brain to it. I didn't do anything. And then right when I was about to leave, I had like four days or five days before I could leave. And then the team did something where we couldn't leave for like the next week after that. And I was just mm. like, what's going on? Why is this happening? Why is this happening? What's, what's going on? I call Olin Simplis and uh, go, hey man, coming home from basketball, I'm retiring. Wanted to know if I could work with you and your players. And Owen was like, oh, man, you know, I, you know, I would love that. But, you know, I work with Wasserman, da, 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 so you have to come in and just, you know, kind of do a thing. And when I, when, when I finally was coming home, Owen was like, he had just found out he was, his wife was pregnant. He was like, ah, I'm about to have a kid. So I wasn't about to bother him no more. I'm yeah. like, bro, you got to enjoy that. Like, I'm not about to, you know, you got some random dude trying to come in and take money out your pocket. You know what I'm saying? So I was like, nah. So I remembered, you know, when I was training, playing basketball overseas, I remembered the guy I was training with, which was Keon Kendrick. Um, and I reached out to him and was like, hey, bro, like, like if, if, I didn't, if, if it wasn't for you, I wouldn't be where I'm at. Because a lot of people don't know this. Uh, in my second year overseas, I was training with Keon, and somebody did something really disrespectful to my brother. And in my family, when somebody does something like that, you retaliate. And I was I was on route to retaliate. Hmm. And I was angry. I was going through it. And something just told me, like, just pick up the phone. Just pick up the phone and call him. And I called Key and was like, hey, man, I'm... I, I, I'm about to go to jail. I'm just letting you know this now. Like, I'm about to go to jail. Like, my life is about to be done. I'm about to go to jail. And he said, Rob, come to my house. 
come to my house. I'm like, what? Uh, I'm not going to your house. I'm going to find you. Like, I'm going to go to jail. He's like, Rob, stay on the phone and come to my damn house. And I walked, I got to his house, sat down, and we talked, and we talked, and we talked. He's like, just trust me, and I'm going to change your life. All you got to do is trust me, change your life. I was yeah. like, all right. Yeah, and Keon knows my background. You know, Keon has a background, I have a background. And our backgrounds are from different sides. And for us to come together like that is pretty impressive. But a lot of people don't know about Keon is when I was training with Keon, I was getting up at 5 a.m., getting on the bus for two hours to get to the gym by 7 a.m. To, to get there in time to work out with the pro players that I had to work out with because Keon wouldn't allow me to work out with the younger guys because I'm not younger. So I had to work out with the guys in the morning. I had to work out with the Pat Rimbers and the Chuck Garcias. And all, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I had to work out with those guys. So when I first walk into those training sessions, I am getting destroyed. Like, I remember he, he does the five around. One guy's got to get five stops. I was in that drill for like a minute and 10 seconds. I almost passed out. I was so dead. You know what I'm saying? Like, stuff like that. Like, I had never gone through training before. I had never had a trainer before. I was mm -hmm. only just, you go to the gym, you hoop. You right. go to the gym, you hoop. So I had never had a trainer. So working with him, that was where everything came in. That was where it all mixed in. And, and um, yeah, when I reached out to him, I said, hey, man, I'm coming home and I I don't know what to do. Like I'm lost. Like I don't know what to do. Like what am I supposed to do? And he was like, What do you want to do? I was like, I want to train, but you know, I don't I don't know what to do. He was like, why you don't just train with me and my guys? He said, I'll teach you the lingo, I'll teach you the game, I'll teach you the NBA game, I'll get you started with some players. I'm like, Are you serious? And he's like, Yeah, bro, I told you I'd change your life. And, you know, five years from then. Here today. I'm here doing podcasts and stuff, you know. Being, Valentine being at, Elite basketball. Yeah, being, and... being looked at as one of the basketball minds of the world. So that, you know, it's, awesome. it, I owe a lot to Keon. I tell people this a lot of times. If it wasn't for him, I probably would be in a jail cell somewhere. Um, and that's happened on multiple occasions. Keon knows my anger. He knows my, he knows my temperament. He knows how volatile I can be in certain situations, especially when it comes down to basketball or my family. And, um, you know, he's had to talk to me out of some things a couple times. But when it comes down to it, man, you know, it's a lot of cats that, you know, I owe a lot to. And Keon is one of the guys that, you know, top notch, I, I owe a ton to. One of the OGs of the game at this yeah, point. Facts, man. So, facts. I, I mean, I've been, I only sat in two of Keon's sessions. And the game I soaked up. Oh, it's man. Just, it's just wild. Oh, like, oh, man, I can't wait that, to have that, him on here tell his story. His experience as well, and where he's going with it, and yeah, his story. Love how y'all give back Air his, West, his story are constantly is, giving back. His story is amazing. His story, story is crazy. So yeah, man, we're uh, we're gonna wrap it up here, yeah, um, and I I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing everything you're doing with your podcast. Um, I gotta ask you two questions. I know I was going. I'm, I, I got you. Oh, no, 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 no. I, I ain't going nowhere. That's, that's my favorite part. I still gotta <laughs> so, ask you two questions. <laughs> um, and so. I just want you to uh, shout out where people can find you, and so we can, you know, post that okay. um, your your handles and all that. We'll put it in the description and okay. all that. So yeah, no let the people know where they can find you. So uh, I didn't really do all this at the beginning, but my name is Robert Valentine. Uh, you can find me at, at Instagram is at pt underscore flash. That's really the only handle I have. It's good for Instagram, Twitter. 
TikToks, whatever you want to do. It's that's that's my uh, handle. Um, if you want to reach me any other way, you could probably just ask one of your friends or anybody that you know. If they have my number, it is ple- it's completely okay for you to get my number and contact me directly. Um, it's always cool for anybody to hit me up online. I am the guy that always replies. I do not leave people on red. If you want help, if you need help, tap in and I got you. Appreciate it. And uh, let the people know um, what you have going as far as basketball. You do training, you have club teams and all that. Kind oh, of stuff. So, I, so I have training. I do professional training for NBA, WNBA and overseas players. I have youth training for high school players and under. Um, I work for my organization and own my organization. I'm the founder of Valentine Elite Basketball. Um, we have an AAU team. We have teams from the ages of five all the way up to 15. Uh, and um, other than that, I don't think that there's anything else. What else would I be able to put in there? Uh, AAU. Uh, I think that's it, yeah. Oh, oh um, I am also the trainer and one of the coaches for LA Premier Prep. Um, so if you're looking for a prep school, if you're looking to go prep, if you're looking to find a prep team, if you're looking to work out with prep players and see where you stand up, you can also contact me there. Um, contact me and I can get you introduced or I can take you to the gym myself and see where you lay. Awesome. All right, thank you for that. And now it's time for Flip the Script. I'm in the uh, hot seat. <laughs> Coach Rob, two questions you got for me. All right, so first question, man. First question, first question. Um, what is the greatest? What is the greatest thing about being a father? The greatest thing about being a father. Um, who just said? Oh, Matt Barnes just asked me this question, and so it's fresh on my mind. It's the um, the quality time, man. Um, just seeing my daughter, my daughter's growth from day to day, mm-hmm. and the things that we're trying to instill in her. And uh, it's funny, like when we try to teach her something. She's very like shy to it. Like, I don't want to do that. Like, she's almost afraid to make a mistake. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'm in a household where I love mistakes. I want yeah. you to make as many mistakes as possible under my guidance so you know how to handle them. Mm-hmm. But then when she figures it out, she's so confident, so gracious, mm-hmm. and that smile and her um, ability to comprehend and to flip jokes back onto mm-hmm. me. You know, my daughter's four, but she's doing stuff like the way she thinks. And I'm like, man. Me and my wife are doing a good job in raising her. And so those quality time moments where I get to spend just instilling something in her and Mm -hmm. seeing that result. And the same with my son. My son, um, he recently had to have surgery. So he had to get his adenoids taken out, ear tubes, just all this stuff. He's only two. And I had to learn, like, they're just polar opposites. My daughter is just super advanced, and he just takes his time. Mm -hmm. But he's still very smart. He can communicate, even though he can't talk yet. Mm-hmm. And there was just this moment of clarity. It never, like, it wasn't that I wasn't doing it, but it was a moment of, like, realization. Like, man, I got to love him where he's at. It don't Fact. matter what's happening. Fact. In these quality time moments, Fact. once again, yo, he's right here. This is where I'm going to love him. I'm this at. is how I'm going to love him. And this is how I'm still going to raise him to be this man that, you know, God's calling me to raise him as. And so those, that quality time, man. That's dope. That's everything. To that's me. dope. That's dope. Okay. And then uh, what's one thing that you would take from uh, from hooping against me? Don't let this man shoot. I mean, it's pretty simple. When I played you, I remember <laughs> Shepard. <laughs> if you don't let him shoot it, then you won't have a problem. Right. So I recall Shepard of the Hills. 
um, we were running, and this is when they ran the full court uh-huh. ways. When like yeah, this is Drew the and of Paul George, like Reggie, this is the beginning of the shepherd, the real yeah, shepherd, real shepherd, yeah. And it was my, uh, you know, I know you from the fitness, and it was my first time playing in an organized yeah. game against you, and I was like, man, I just got to sit on this man's right hand and just make it super uncomfortable for him to shoot. And so that's what I tried. I tried to not let you catch the ball, and just sit on your right hand to, to. I mean, I think he's still at 23, <laughs> which is a slow scoring game yeah, for Bron. Yeah, it's a, so slow, it's, a, it's a slow game. Yeah, it's but a it slow was game. it was uh, it was that it was just like man, you can't you can't you can't let you get comfortable because once you get comfortable, and I was smart, I didn't say one word to him. I was quiet the whole game because I, I knew he that's triggered. A, I knew that's he was exactly trigger, what bro. I was gonna say. <laughs> I didn't say anything was, to him. I actually I think that's when we became cool because yeah. we were like you know at the fitness it was competitive, but. As Shepard, I yeah. think is where we actually came cool. We yeah. started re- having that respect for one another yeah. even more because uh, I didn't even say nothing to him. I was like, "Yo, man, you're a good shooter. Like, dang, good shot. Yeah. Like, I would do stuff like that, so I wouldn't yeah. make him mad." And yeah, I was, I, that was the one thing <laughs> that I was gonna say about that game at Shepard. I noticed that you did not say a word, and that's the one thing that everyone does know about me now. I've been noticing that now. There's a lot of there's still some young cats out there that don't know that, but. One thing about me was if you said one word to me, that would right. that would light a fire. <laughs> it would light a fire right away. I would be waiting on people. Sometimes I'd be at the at the at the free throw line and somebody would say something, somebody, I'd be like, what'd you say? <laughs> They're like, bro, I wasn't even talking to you, man. I wasn't talking to you. I'm like, oh, okay, all right. All right. We're good, we're good. I'm just waiting on somebody to say something. But that's dope though, man. That's dope. I nah, appreciate that's uh man, I just continue to respect what you do, man. Build these kids up, man. And um you know, you're always when I when somebody's asking for some training, private training, man, I refer them to you because I trust I trust what you do. I trust your heart with these kids. Like you said, man, you can be making money doing a lot of other stuff, yeah. and you in the trenches. And yeah. um, so, nah, man, I appreciate you. Have, I probably gotta gotta come back because we didn't even talk. Like we oh, just yeah, got, we, we just got to the first half. Of, yeah, we got uh, we yeah, got a quarter yeah. quarter one is over. We still yeah. got three quarters probably. <laughs> yeah, so we can definitely get that in. Yeah, but um, yeah. so man, we have a 24 second shot clock. So you got 24 seconds. Let the people know. Anything going on? We kind of discussed it here, but something uh, let people know what they, you know, what you got going on. Okay, um, twenty four seconds. All right. So, uh, one thing I got going on is that I am building my own podcast. I'm now working for a social media uh, venue. So, if anyone is ever looking for anything social media, if anyone's looking to do a podcast, anyone's looking to do music, anything like that, you can contact me, and I can definitely get you invited or get you introduced to people that can help you in that uh, area. Um, other than that, man, I just I just want people to understand that I'm available um, and that people don't have to feel like, oh, that guy's a, like top notch or celebrity notch. I'm a normal guy. My name's Rob. Everybody calls me Rob. I, you know, I eat food just like you, drink <laughs> drinks just like you. I still go to Jack in the Box and McDonald's every now and again. I ain't nothing special like that. I'm just a normal guy, and I want everybody to realize that you come into my gym and you come into my situation. It's a family-based thing. The second you walk in my gym, you are my little brother, my little sister, or my bro, no matter what. And that's just what it is. Perfect, man. Appreciate you being on the show. Man. Appreciate you, man. Thank you for having me. Thank you. All right, guys. Me. We'll catch you next time. Peace.